0: You know, it's funny, I I, I don't know how many of you saw (laughs) in the second to last song, um, me leaning over to Anissa frantically, uh, trying to change a slide. Any of you who know Photoshop know that's not a quick thing, (laughs) to go in and actually change the consistency of a slide, change the, uh, the wording on a slide. Uh, but it was in the second-to-last song that the Lord changed, um, changed the message and said, you need a new title, and so get it on there. And so uh, he gave me the time because you all just extended the worship, and praise God, thank you. That was awesome. I love how God works because the title that I had... Um, It was just different. it was uh, from a different perspective, I suppose, but um, but I want to tell you before I get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about a uh, communication I got yesterday. As you guys know, we have a work in Nigeria, and uh, perhaps some of them are watching online right now. Um, but andrew and comfort they go and a couple times a week they do a Jesus film in in remote areas and and uh, uh we see um, probably on average 150 or so people a week come to know the lord and and it's it's awesome and and we'll see we'll see about that many get healed and then we'll see a a smaller amount but a significant amount delivered from demonic possession. And if you if you've never seen that on TV or never been there, we have some in here that, that uh have been to Africa or are from Africa and so they know what I'm talking about. That that's a significant event. Well last night um he messaged me and uh um he actually tried to call me but I was in the middle of it was in the middle of the prayer call and I couldn't answer. But but he sent me um, some of these things, and i 've got some pictures I want to show you, and just go ahead and go to the first one the, These are of of the the um, uh, Jesus film that was done last night and and again the the significance I want to burn into your mind is how God is working over there this there were last night there were two hundred and how many, let me it was 290 something. Let me, let me pull it up here. There was 273 people total that came. go ahead and go to the next slide. <coughs> of those 273 people and you you could see now they're, they're in a rom- remote area and these people just come out from the village and and we have uh you know what we had left with them was a um projection system we left them a sound system so i mean they could literally they have a sound system and a screen big enough to reach well, we did 2000 people when we were there last uh, uh last april um so so their capability is great um and then just recently we bought some lights because before that the only light they had was from the light of the screen and uh and we we wanted to get some lighting in the the crowd and stuff like that go ahead and go to the next slide and in this time you could see you could see one of the workers there wearing the uh the love logo he is lovingly restraining uh as somebody going through deliverance but uh um go ahead and go to the next slide and those those are more more of them um and go ahead and go to the next slide is that the last slide before the hold on is that um i i can i can look on here and see or no i can't okay there's just one more yeah okay i don't want to go to that one yet anyway so this night was a little bit unique And there were 97 people that accepted Jesus Christ as Savior this night. There were, uh, 60, what was it? I don't have it here. There were many that were healed. There were seven that were delivered from demonic possession. It was an incredible, incredible night. But it irritated the enemy. It irritated him so much that he sent something to completely distract, to completely tear apart what these people would now believe in, in Jesus Christ. Put up the slide of what came. In Africa, they don't have small snakes. This was a big snake. Very poisonous snake is what he told me. I asked him what kind it was because I couldn't tell if it was a cobra or not. If it was, I wanted him to keep the skin for me. But (laughs) but what he said is, he doesn't know the name of it. They call it, they just simply call it black snake. That's what they call it. He said it's very poisonous. He said they would not have enough time to get the person to the hospital. They would die. If they got bit. This came right into the midst of the crowd. You can imagine there were over 200 people at this place. 97 of them have come to profess a new faith in Jesus Christ. And so the enemy sends this to say no. It's not going to happen that way. I'm going to rip it from them. And this is what Andrew said to me. In the course of deliverance, a live poisonous snake crawled into the congregation, and the Lord arrested it, and it could not bite anyone. He said, I have a good reason to appreciate God this morning. Never think that your prayers do not have effect in praying for Nigeria." See, they put their lives on the line to go out there. We often think that it's like the U.S. where, well, you know, just you just go down to the local park and, and you have a prayer walk. But see, instead there, they drive for hours to get to a remote area that's never heard the gospel. These areas are Muslim areas. These areas are are places where, with the wrong circumstances, they could face a lot of difficulty, you might say. See, God's favor is on ignition in Nigeria. His favor is on it because He is bringing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want you to pray something, though. I want you to begin to add this to your prayers every single day for me, please. Not for me, for what the Lord wants to do. See, we have a land that we already know the Lord has set aside for us in Nigeria. We know that in this land we will begin building a training center. To be able to train the pastors. Right now we have about 300 of them. Just waiting. Just waiting for us. Training them not in the knowledge of the word of God. Because they have that. But training them in relationship with the Father. Through Jesus Christ facilitated by the Holy Spirit. See that's something they don't have. And that's something that these people need. These people at at the rate of 150 a week coming to know the Lord. That's awesome. But every time I hear that, there's a part of my soul that just cringes. Because, see, they need to know relationship. They need to know that in their very lives, the power of the Holy Spirit can turn around their entire area. They need to be trained in that and understand that they don't have to go to school for years to be able to do that. But they just have to have a relationship and a friend. If you have those two things, you have a ministry. If you have somebody to share your relationship with, to tell them about Jesus Christ and what He's done in your life, you have a ministry. There's nobody in here that does not have a ministry. Don't kid yourself. You don't have to wait for a building. We don't have to wait for a building to share Jesus Christ. And we don't. Because we have relationship with them. And in that, we can share that relationship and change lives. So that's what I want you to pray for Nigeria. We're we're so ready. We're so ready. We're already exploding and we're not even uh, able to handle it. Because we want to train these people. I want those 300 pastors to be trained in relationship with Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden they're looking at Scripture different. Just like I did. Just like you did. Begin to see Scripture for what it is saying. See John 15 for what it is saying. That when you have relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, you become His friend. We're no longer bond slaves. We're no longer servants. But we become His friend. Why? Because then He begins to share with us everything that the Father says. That's what Jesus said. If you don't believe me, look up John 15 and look at it. So I want to pray every day that God opens up Nigeria. Opens that up. And, And by the way, not like we don't know what we need there. We know everything. We've got it in three phases. I know with the land in the first phase, we're looking at about $135,000. So I'd like for you to get out your (laughs) checks books. That's not that much. We actually know people that can write a check for that amount. I would never solicit that from anybody. Because I will not take that from God. I'll make them aware. And that's what we do. But the power is in the prayer. The power is going before the Lord and saying, Lord, please, don't make them wait anymore. Don't make them wait anymore. See, the crazy thing is, we know what that whole uh, all three phases is going to cost. And with with the exchange, it's roughly uh, roughly three quarters of a million dollars, seven hundred fifty thousand, which seems like a lot. But if you saw the layout and saw what it would do and all this stuff there, it it, it would be ten times that here in the United States. But that would give us the capability of reaching thousands. Upon thousands in training. Not not just in evangelism. Because we reach that now. But in training them. In relationship. Man, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for what the Lord wants to do in that. So I I, I just want you to pray with me. Every (coughs) day on that. And let the Lord. Do his will. And see exactly what that is. By the way, the, the crazy thing, that that amount that, that it's going to cost for the whole phase, do you know what's funny? Is the Lord told me that amount before I ever knew we were going to Nigeria? I mean, how crazy is that? The, the second time I heard audibly the voice of the Lord is where that came from. Now... <laughs> He said it a little differently. He said it in Nera, because when I heard the amount, I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. Because he said, this is what you're going to need for Nigeria. That's a lot of money. Of course, then I figured out, no, that was Nera, because <laughs> that's what you spend there. And that, that made it a lot more palatable. But I want you to pray. Let's pray right now, in fact. Father, we worship You. We praise You. We thank You, God, for who You are. We thank You, Lord, that we could come before Your throne and simply ask. You said You you love to hear the desires of our heart. When our heart is in tune with Yours, in sync with Yours, that makes You glad. You desire to give us those blessings So Father, we come before you right now in unity and we ask for the blessings of Nigeria. We ask that you allow that first phase to happen, which is buying the land, which is putting up the wall, which is building the first building. Allowing Andrew and Comfort to be full-time, allowing training space to be able to begin to teach these pastors. Father, please, please, we ask that you do this now. We seek your will. We seek your perfect will. We don't want to step out ahead of your will. But God, I feel in so many ways we're behind your will. In Nigeria. And we need to put the prayer into this. Because the enemy does not want it to happen. But just like last night. The enemy's feeble attempts. To come against the move of your spirit will be nothing. It will amount to nothing. It will have its head crushed. Just like this snake. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to Hebrews. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm so glad that actually showed up with the right wording. (laughs) Michael, on yours, you will not have the right wording, so you don't need to put it up. We're testing a new system today on that. on the Facebook Live. And, and um, by the way, pray for Carson. He, he put out this morning, just just for prayer, so he might be able to make it this morning because he was in so much pain. And obviously he is not here. They're, I'm sure watching us online. and And Carson, we love you. We pray for you. We fight for you and although you are not physically here your family we know that you're here so in chapter 10 i'm going to just just briefly go through a quick part of it where i want to get to is is down in verse 19 but this is a significant thing here in in the latter or in the in the first part of chapter ten, it's talking about who Jesus Christ is. Now, if, if you know anything about the Book of Hebrews, you know it can be a very confusing book. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into some confusion today, and hopefully, be able to clear that up for you. Some people avoid the Book of Hebrews because it can be confusing. If you if you uh, I want to mention this uh, uh, the the gentleman that. I call him my mentor, I never met him, but uh, but I've studied un, under him for, for literally 30 years, Chuck Missler. He used to always say, if you find a discrepancy in Scripture where it seems to contradict itself, he said, get excited. He said, because God's about to show you truth. Because if you dig through that, you'll find a new layer of truth that you did not see before. Because there are no contradictions in Scripture. Did I go out? Yes. Did the battery seriously go out that that quickly? I even checked it. Um, Can somebody find me two double A's? And I'll I'll use this other one. I'll use this one for right now Uh, while somebody finds me batteries. Sorry about that online, people. But... uh, Man, okay, now I know when, when it says yellow, <laughs> okay, you need to change it. Don't <laughs> wait till it says red. Alright. But in this, uh, often people shy away from the book of Hebrews because of some of these things that are a little confusing. But I want to encourage you to do just the opposite. I want to encourage you when you see something that is a seeming discrepancy. Go after it. Pray. Go after it hard. Say, Lord, show me truth. Show me truth in this because you have something for me that I've never seen before. That's part of what we're going to see today. So, in the in the first part of of uh, chapter ten. It's talking about Jesus Christ, who He is, and, and how He came, and He offered Himself, here. He offered Himself as a sacrifice that literally replaced the sacrifices that had to be made for sin. And, and I'm not gonna take the time to read through it, but I do wanna read one point verse 14 for by a single offering he is perfected for all time those who are being sanctified there can you hear me now yep. all right awesome thank you Josh
1: mm-hmm.
0: waiting or for a, by a single offering this offering of Jesus Christ's body on the cross his life he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified not those who are sanctified who have become and completed sanctification but those in the process of sanctification sanctification comes after what justification justification is what we call salvation When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you accept Him as as the Messiah, as your Savior. That is justification. You simply accept. He does all the rest. He did the rest on the cross. The uh, sanctification comes when you build relationship with Him. And I know you know this. We build relationship with Him. That is the sanctification. That is those who are being Sanctified. Jesus has already perfected our future. He's already completed our golden ticket, if you will. So we have no worry once we have accepted Jesus Christ in our heart. We have no worry of hell because He has perfected that. He's made it complete. And then we are those being Sanctified. Then verse 18 says, Where there is forgiveness of these and, and these things that that the Lord uh, has forgiven us for, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus came, and I've told you before, Jesus came and he did. Not not that he threw away the law, he completed the law, he made it to where we do not have to at, have to go for annual sacrifice for our sin. He did that in his body when we accept him into our heart, we literally have accepted his sacrifice once and for all, made complete in our lives. ephesians 1, 13 and fourteen The Holy Spirit comes and seals our spirit. <coughs> To where we cannot lose that. It's made perfect. He did it all. But what I want to get into is this idea of sanctification. But holding on through it. Boy, that's got to be one of the toughest things. I I don't know about you. I, I was praying so hard today. That the Lord would speak to us. Something that He needed us to hear. Something that we needed for our encouragement. Because sometimes it's so hard to wait. It's so hard to wait when you're waiting for something. And you want to move forward with something. It's so hard to wait. When you're saying, Lord, I'm doing everything that I can do. What more can I do? See, that's when discouragement can set in. That's when we can look at our situation and say, Lord, you've promised us a building. Forget the building. You've promised us this fruit. You've promised us that we would reach these people. You've promised us that that these other people, perhaps in our family and our lives, would be reached and revival would be had. You've certainly promised... The the reading of the bride, which is the greatest revival this world has ever and will ever see. He's promised all that. So how long is it going to take, Lord? How long is it going to take? We don't want to be discouraged, but in the waiting, sometimes when we take our eyes off a place that it should be, it. we can get discouraged. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God let me stop for 1 second what he's talking about there when jesus christ died the moment he breathed his last breath read it in scripture the moment he did that the curtain that was between the in the temple it was between the holy holies and the outer court it rent it ripped in two That was the curtain that would hold out everybody else except the once a year when the priest would go in there, the high priest would go in there. People did not have access. Why? Because that's where God dwelt. From the days of the tabernacle to the days of the temple, that is where God dwelt, in the Holy of Holies. And so when Jesus Christ offered His body, breathed His last breath, through His flesh, being given for you and for me, the Father tore the veil. See, it didn't tear from the bottom up. It tore from the top down. This is not a small curtain. This is a tall curtain. I want you to picture what the Father was doing there. He literally, in his pain of seeing what his son went through and was going through, said, it's enough. And just tore that veil. And said, because of that sacrifice, those who believe in my son, who accept my son, will have complete, full access to me. See, we have access to the Father. That's what it's saying here. So because we have that access, verse 22, he says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, it doesn't mean that because you have access that you could go in. He tore the veil. But it's through that relationship with Jesus Christ that we have access. We can't of our own free will just say, I'm saved, so I'm going to go sit at the Father's feet. See, it says here, Let us draw near with a true heart. What does that mean? A true heart is your intentions. What you intend in your heart. When you go before the Father in prayer, what do you intend? Do you go in prayer for just things that you need? Or things that you want? Or do you truly go before the Lord with a true heart saying, I want your will. That's what I want. I want your will, Father. He's saying, come before Him with true intentions and full assurance of faith. What does that mean? It means you can have confidence. You can have confidence going before the Lord. You can have confidence in the fact that as you have true intentions in your heart, you can go before the Lord even if not everything is purged out of your heart. Do you understand that? This is where people say, I could never be close to the Lord. I could never be a witness for Him. I could never be a preacher. I could never be a worship leader. I could never do these these things because my heart and my life is filled with sin. But see when we have true intentions of a true heart going before him wanting what he wants he says have confidence this full assurance of faith that when you come before me in that way and you come before me with the desire to cleanse i will cleanse that's what he does verse 23 Let us hold fast, or hold firm, the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. In other words, have confidence in your faith of what He has done in your life. Now those of you who have just recently or or newly accepted Jesus Christ... That doesn't mean that that comes later and, well, you know, once he and I build a relationship, then I I can have confidence. No. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you can have confidence that he is with you, that you are seeing. As a matter of fact, let's turn there. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I talk about it all the time. I want you to highlight this in your Bible. I want you to highlight this, because when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, this is immediately what happens. So even as a new Christian, you can have confidence in what the Lord is doing in your life. And as a, we'll say seasoned Christian, as an older Christian, one who has been a Christian for a while can always look back. This thing's highlighted all over the place in my Bible. Because I will never forget that guarantee. I will never forget that promise. Because it is on that promise that I can build my relationship with Christ. Verse 13 in Ephesians 1 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth. What is that? Well, he says it right here. The gospel of your salvation. What is the gospel? Believing Jesus Christ as the Son of God became a man. Lived a sinless life, offered his life for yours and mine on the cross, did not stay in the grave, but was raised three days later, lives at the right hand of the Father right now. That's the gospel. When we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in him, he says, here's what happened. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What does that word "sealed there" mean? In the Greek, it is similar to the 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 leaders that had a signet ring. It's kind of like a king that has a signet ring. That when a law is printed, they take their signet ring, they dip it uh, the uh, on on the the piece of legislation or law, whatever. They have a, a, a just a slab of wax, and. They take their ring, and they put it in the wax, take it out, and it has the seal of the king, or whoever the magistrate was. That's what this word means. Literally, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit, it's like the Father took His signet ring, and He proclaimed your life His. Period. And that Holy Spirit became that seal. That Holy Spirit became that promise. Verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance for how long? Until we acquire it. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. See, until... We receive eternal life. The Holy Spirit is with you. He has sealed your spirit. Now, where so many people, so many Christians get, get kind of confused is in the fact that your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Does that mean you have the power of the Holy Spirit on your life? No, it means you have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because man is made up, woman too, by the way, is made up of three parts. We're spirit, we're soul, which is our mind, our will, and our body. Our spirit is sealed. But our soul, our mind, our will, and our body, we still have choice over. We still have choice to sin. Anybody who tells you, once you, you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you cannot sin. Just look at him funny. And just say, I love you. And go on. Because <laughs> that will just be a fruitless conversation of Adam. Because see, we still have control over our bodies and over our mind. Why? Why didn't God just take complete control when we got saved? The reason is for the idea of sanctification. The idea of a relationship. And we've talked about this before. So let's go back to Hebrews. So again, the Lord is saying, I'm with you. The Holy Spirit's with you. He who promised is faithful. He, he's declaring completely, My side of it is covered. Covered. The Lord says, my side of this relationship, I've got it taken care of. It's covered. And He is faithful. So He says, hold on fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. I think of James when when it says wavering. Don't be like a wave tossed to and fro. Right? In our faith. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet, whoops, verse 24, (laughs) verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. By the way, what day are they talking about? Sunday? As you see Sunday draw near, get together. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the day when Jesus Christ comes. He comes in victory. He comes to claim what is His, which is David's throne. So as you see that day approaching, which we've talked about before, it's certainly approaching. It's closer than it was yesterday. Right? As it's approaching, don't stay away from each other. He said, be together. Be together. And, and, and I love, I love how the ESV says it here. Let us consider how. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love. How can I stir up Josh in love? How can He stir me up in love? It says, consider it. Put some thought into it. Put your mind into it. It's not just my responsibility. It's not just the leader's responsibility to stir you guys up. It's not the praise team's responsibility. Well, let's get them stirred up and emotionally ready so then we get this emotional charge and that must be who God is. I hope not. Because that's not who He is. God uses emotion, but He is not in the emotion. Now you will have emotion. I, I can't find a, a place in the Word of God where, where a man or woman of God stood before God and there was not an emotional reaction. Because more times than not, they were on their face. Except maybe David. David was dancing. Right? There is emotion. But understand we need to consider how to stir each other up. I think of of the the, the verse that talks about iron sharpening iron. Man, I don't know about you, how I grew up, my my reaction to that was, was, well yeah, we kind of tell each other when we're wrong. Right? I mean... Tell me anybody in here who doesn't think of that when you think of that verse. That I, I'm here to let you know when, when you're wrong and you let me know when I'm wrong and that's how we kind of sharpen each other and and all that. Boy, it, don't you realize it's just the opposite of that. See, how much more will you get an effect in a person's life when you show them truth and the true way Rather than trying to cut out the bad way. You ever think of that? I I can tell you as a father, it works a lot better that way. If all you do is excuse me, tell your kids what they're doing wrong, then that's all they're gonna understand. Is I I just do everything wrong. But if you pour into your kids, or or in this case, because 90% of us don't have kids. Or not us, but you know. If you pour into your friends with the idea that this is truth, this is love. Let me show it to you. Let me consider how to stir you up. Let me think about it. Let me pray about it. The Lord laid this person on my heart. Let me pray and ask, Lord, how do I stir them up? How do I bring them to a place of understanding how awesome you are? Because you're awesome. I want them to feel what I feel. See, I really relate to what Paul said. When when he was before King Agrippa and and, and King Agrippa said, "Would, Would you actually want me to believe in Jesus Christ? Or believe all the things you have said? And Paul said, I wish you were exactly like me. Except for these chains. Why? Because he had a confidence in who his God was. He had a confidence in Jesus Christ and what he had done in his life. Do we have that? See, I believe we do. I believe we do. So why don't we have this confidence in knowing that the Lord's timing is the Lord's timing? See, we don't need a building to share Christ. We don't... Everybody in here, pretty much, I would think, everybody knows somebody who is not saved. Everybody has access to people around them that don't know the Lord or that do know the Lord and don't understand relationship. We all do. If you don't, then get somewhere. You need that exposure. So what stops us from having that confidence in sharing life with Him and what that means? I think part of it is considering how to stir up each other. Because what's it say here? It says considering how to stir up one another. What to love and good works. See, when we are encouraging each other in relationship, it can't just be me, guys. It can't just be the leadership. It's all of us encouraging each other to love, to that relationship with Jesus Christ. When that happens, the works, the good works, produce automatically. See, it goes back to the easiness of who Jesus is. He said, don't worry about the works. Don't worry about what you need. Don't worry about how this is going to work or how that's going to work. Matthew 6.33, Seek me first and my kingdom. I'll deal with the rest. So when we build this relationship and we consider how to stir each other up to love, to relationship, and to good works, then the Lord does His work. He says, don't neglect meeting together. Verse 26, and this is where He brings in Some difficult truth. Verse 26, For if we go on sinning deliberately, understand, deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. This is where the confusion in Hebrews begins to set in. So many people believe because of Hebrews, and Hebrews 6 is even more confusing than this, but... but believe that you can lose your salvation. Okay, understand that what he's saying here, let's read it again. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. It, let me go on from there and then I'll explain it. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. See, if you look at that on the surface, you say, wait a second. Wait a second. So, so if I sin after I'm saved, then I have the fear of being consumed by His fire. Be careful. It's not what it says. Who does the fire consume, first of all? His adversaries, Right? Understand that when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, and you know this this is so obvious, you can still sin. We still have choices, right? But those choices have consequences. If you get saved and you go out and you rob a bank, I don't think you can say to the judge, hey, it's not a problem, I'm saved. I have access to that because I'm saved now I can't sin, so clearly this is God's will. (laughs) You're a little confused if you believe that. There are consequences for our choices. There are consequences for our choices after we've accepted Jesus Christ into our heart. Now the thing before we've accepted Christ, there is only consequence of us losing our life eternally. When we are justified from our sin and accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we are no longer, by the way, I have to point this out, my daughter has been ten for six minutes now. I was trying to watch when it actually came around, but you're ten, you're six minutes old, er, than ten. <laughs> right, yeah. But when we deliberately sin after accepting Jesus Christ into our heart, What do we affect? We don't affect our eternal life, we affect our relationship. And there are consequences to those to those sins. He said, because there no longer remains a sacrifice. It's not, it's not, he's saying the, the law has been completed. What he's telling these people who used to live under law, he said, he said, you can't choose to sin and then go to the sacrifice and be okay. Do you see what I'm saying? How often in our lives do we choose to sin and think, "Well, it'll be okay because I'm saved." And, And by the way, it is okay for you to go to heaven, but what we don't escape is the consequences here on earth. What we also don't escape is the fact that He wants relationship with us so He can produce those good works. So we can draw closer to Him. And we, we just went through a series on rewards. All of that comes into play. But He's saying, "You can't if you deliberately sin, there's going to be consequences. Verse 28, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy, mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's how it was in the law. Dies without mercy. Wait, God's merciful. Is it, did he just say dies without mercy? Yeah, he did, right? Okay. How much more, verse 29, how much more or how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant? Don't think this is speaking about a non-saved person. This is speaking about somebody who has accepted Jesus Christ into their heart because they've already accepted that sacrifice And there's not another sacrifice available for it. So what he's saying is how much more punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who is trampled underfoot the very gospel that they accepted? Trampled underfoot this relationship available through Jesus Christ. How much more punishment? Now is he talking about the punishment of hell? No, he's talking about what he stated before. That there are consequences on this earth when we choose to do things against God. There are consequences. And even more so because we've already accepted the free gift. The last part of verse 29 proves that out. It says, by which he was sanctified. So in other words, this is one who is not just justified. This is one who began to build a relationship with Jesus Christ and then turned and said, yeah, you know what? I I tried it for a while, but that, that stuff just doesn't work like I thought. He promised all this stuff. He promised us a building and, and we just never got it. And and so, it, I am mean, clearly I misunderstood something and, and his promises, you know. I, I started tithing and he promised, he promises in Malachi 3 to cover all that. But, you know, it's just not worked out that way. Because I've had this problem or that problem. And so we begin to go back on what he has told us and go back on the belief of what he has done in our lives. And what he's saying here is how much worse are the consequences going to be for those who know, who have been told, who have been given this gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what kind of gift that is? That, that is oh my goodness the confidence that i had when he told me to get rid of the business and he would take care of everything the confidence was because of the holy spirit the holy spirit and the promises that he had made in his word that he would never leave me or forsake me that if i if i do his will he will take me into Provision. He will take me into abundance. Into getting new
1: glasses.
0: (laughs) He will take me into abundance. But it didn't happen right away. In fact, right away we started getting hit with all the things that tested the very faith that we made a proclamation for. You ever ever do that? You, You make a statement, you... You say, yes, Lord, I am going to follow you in this. You step in that way. And boom, you start getting hit. Right? Corey and I talked about that. You get, you get hit. Why? Because of what was said before. The confidence of faith. Where was it here? Uh Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So when we make a statement, we can have confidence to say, Lord, if you take everything I have, that's on you. Because I just want what you want. That's where I was four years ago when we closed the business. I knew he wanted me to do it. I knew He had told me for literally a year and a half to do it. I was finally obedient in that. And when it came to the point of that testing of my faith, I had the confidence and assurance of faith to step through and say, Hey, not my fault. If you take it from me, that must be what you want, because I did my part. Do you know that's what He wants? That's what he wants you to say. He wants you to step forward in obedience and just say, here's my part. Here's what I'm doing. I trust you to do the rest. I'm seeking you, and I'm trusting you to do the rest. But so many times, whether it be out of fear, out of doubt, sometimes out of just being arrogant, We say, you know what, I think I could do it better this way. And the Lord's going to understand because I'm, I'm going after Him. See, why do you think we don't have a building yet? It's because He said He'll provide it. I am not about to step in His way because we could. We could so easily go and rent a small space and, and do a six month thing there and build up from there and, and you know, by now, if we'd have done it that way by now, we, we would probably be several hundred people. I think easily. We could, we could even be much bigger than that. So us staying in this house and us staying this small family that we are is not because we couldn't have done it a different way. It's because that's not what God wanted. God wanted us to trust Him. From the very beginning, before we were even a college ministry, what He so firmly put in my heart is that He wanted to do this stuff. And the church doesn't let Him. He wanted to provide the money. Not give us the ideas of a really awesome fundraiser. <laughs> right? My background is marketing. I can market the heck out of this thing. We have a cool logo. We have a love shield. I mean, that's awesome. We did, you can market the heck out of this. So why don't we? It's because when we step out of letting God do what He wants. He can't take the glory. We take the glory. Look at the bride. Look at the churches now. I've been a part of many of them. Where we we plan out these ideas, plan out these concepts, these marketing pushes, these programs that will draw. And by the way, they do. And the Lord at the very beginning said, I want something different. See, because there's an element missing from the overall bride right now. And I'm not saying that it isn't in pockets, because it is. We're not the only one. Lord's doing this all over. But what is missing is the power of God doing what He wants to do. How crazy would it be For the bride to just say, okay, whatever you want. How crazy would it be for a church of 10,000 or 20,000 people to say, you know what, we're gonna change. We no longer take offerings. We're no longer gonna solicit through a program. We're gonna come every Sunday and we're not even gonna plan to preach. We're just going to be on our knees and we're just going to ask the Lord to work. It may not look good on TV because you just see a lot of people on their knees. That might look a little boring to people watching. So so we might lose a lot of people watching us online, but that's what we're going to do. Why? Because God has to take control of the church. I don't believe for a second that God wants to start all over. I believe these churches that have built up. I'll use one specifically. Joel Olstein. I believe he is a man who loves the Lord. I believe he is a man who wants to see people saved. But I also believe he is a man who is afraid. To step out and let God make the choices Completely. Do you think God wants to dismantle that church and start all over again with those, whatever it is, 50,000 people they have? When all he has to do is change the hearts of a few. And not change the hearts from sin. Please understand what I'm saying. (coughs) Change the hearts in faith. See, he loves his church. God loves his church. He wants us to trust him. He's the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Not the church. If we got him, it's only by lease.
1: <laughs>
0: it's only by loan. Because it's not ours. He does. He has it. That's what he wants for the bride. He wants the bride to say, You do it, Lord. Lord. And see, when we have an assurance of faith, and we come before Him with this assurance of faith, we can say, Okay, God, it's on You. God, this building is on You. Being in the house here is on You, God. Irritating the Twiddles because we're all in their house. It's on You, God. See? You can do that and you can take off of your shoulders the burden of all of these things. He doesn't want you to carry the burden because the burden's his. He said, he said, take my yoke upon you. Let me take yours because mine's so much lighter. Why? Because he already paid for it. He already paid for everything. So why do we keep taking on our own yoke? Our own worries. We do this all the time with our job. Well, well, if I, if I say something at the workplace about Jesus, I might get fired. Do you know that might be the best thing in the world that will happen to you? Get fired. Man alive. Do you understand what the scripture says about that? Now, I'm not saying that should be your goal. <laughs> But the scripture says, if you have lost for my name's sake, you have gained. So speak out at work. Speak out. Don't be afraid of it. That job does not define you. Especially, I know with the young people, McDonald's does not define you. (laughs) I know it's a little tougher when we get older, but it still doesn't define you. It still is not something outside of the realm of what God can give. If you put it in his hands in the first place, don't take it back out. Don't take it back out. Let's go down. Well, let me just read through real quick. Uh, verse 30, and he, he's talking about this idea of taking it back from God, because I want to I complete this up here. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Now recognize, he's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to the unsaved, he's talking to Christians. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Then the writer says, But recall the former days... When after you were enlightened, you, en- you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your own property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. See, what the enemy did to them, he said, it didn't matter. Because their life was not here. Their life was in relationship with Christ and one day would be with Him face to face. He says, verse 35, to sum it up, he said, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, your full assurance of faith, don't throw it away. What you believe in, what He has said, don't. Throw it away. Don't take it back out of His hands. Trust in what He's doing. Because He says, it has a great reward. When you don't throw it away, it has a great reward. Verse 36, and I'll close. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. By the way, what, what that means there in the Greek is that when he comes, it will be quick. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. What a tough statement. My soul has no pleasure in Him. When you step forward in faith and you say, I will live for you, and then you shrink back. See, Jesus says, I have no pleasure in that. He can't work in you if you do that. You have to let Him, you have to let Him continue. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. What Paul was saying there, or I I believe Paul wrote it, what the writer was saying there is, I have confidence that you people are not like that to shrink back. But to step forward in full faith, in full assurance of faith, to preserve your very soul. Don't get confused, that's not talking about your spirit. To preserve your very soul. What is that? It's to preserve your mind. When you step forward in full assurance of faith, and you do not step back, you do not take back what you have given and you step forward in full assurance of faith. It will preserve your mind. It will give you peace. I think of, of the verse where he says, I'll give you perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. This peace that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Didn't make sense with when Elisha was sitting, you know, it, 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 with, the, with this army around him. And he hes I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's playing cards, whatever. He's just fine, whistling, whatever. His His scribe, his assistant, just beside himself. He said, Lord, open his eyes so he could see the real truth. See, him not shrinking back preserved his mind to the very faith that it was called to in the first place you not shrinking back, not taking back what you have given the Lord, preserves your very mind to increase the very faith that caused you to step forward in the first place. See what I mean? Faith builds upon itself. The more you step, the more you do not take back, but you live in that faith It then builds a foundation to carry another step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you and praise you, God. You are almighty God. And you facilitate, Lord, our relationship with you. God, we thank you that we could come before you in full assurance of faith knowing that you will do what you said, help us not to apply timelines to that. Help us not to apply things that will keep us from stepping forward in that full assurance of faith. But just help us to trust you, because one day, Father, we'll be with you face to face, and with you, Jesus, face to face, and be able to have that relationship in a very different way than here on earth. But find us faithful. Find us walking forward in full assurance of faith. Considering how to stir each other up. How to build each other up. Not just receiving from the speaking or the leadership but pouring into each other as a group. Father, I know we do that, and I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you just permeate your Holy Spirit through this place and seal it with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. How many had God show you something this week? Come on. got to be more than that. Because I hear it. I see it on God's squad and all those things. And I say that just to say, I, I just I encourage you to have an expectation during the week of what God's going to show you. Like have an expect, expectation by the end of the day. You know, what He's going to show you or teach you something or give you the privilege of seeing. You know, and, and sometimes it can come in something as simple as... As like a movie. You ever watch a movie just on the weekend because you're relaxing and all this, and you go, "Oh, that has so many spiritual implications." I mean, really, you're like, it's hard to stay with the line of the movie because you're going, "Yep, yeah, I see that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yep, yeah, okay." I mean, it's amazing when you're when you're when you're watching for it when you're looking for it. It's amazing. So, he showed me a, a couple of things that I just have the privilege of sharing with you. So, um, many of you know our story, and and I tell you the. In my heart, and and I know all of us because we're all praying into it. But when somebody needs healing, we pray for the instant. Like I know, I know I do. You know, I'm just like Lord. I, I, I would love to see it happen like right now. I'd love to see that. But God showed me um, yesterday. In fact, yesterday morning, there was there was significant instant healing um, in the Bible, right? But what is what is easy to miss is that there could there was. In some cases there were years of perseverance before the instantaneous healing, right? It's not that the healing took years to happen. It was that there was perseverance that needed to happen and then all of a sudden boom, it happened. And I, I do believe that that is the case for our family and for many of you here is that you're learning and maturing and going through things that when it happens, and it's, it's funny because I hear other people say this sometimes and I go, yeah. Okay, but really, it's really true. When it happens, it's going to be so worth it because you're so much ready, so much more ready to go on to the next step and to the next level of that. You know, so he showed me that yesterday, and then, um, and then I was reading this morning, and um, this never popped out to me like like this this morning in Revelation 19 at in verse 10 at the end of verse 10. It says. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now that sounds pretty simple, right? And true. But, let me, let me read that again. For the testimony of Jesus, His testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Healing has been prophesied in a lot of situations in this church. Healing has been prophesied. Do you think God's gonna let His testimony not be seen? No. So, His testimony is seen through the spirit of prophecy. So there are many things that have been prophesied. Not just healing. In our church. Where we're going to be. Where we're going to... The building we're going to be in. Who we're going to reach. Nigeria. All of these things. Do you think God's really not going to let people see his testimony? Nah. He is going to make it happen. But it's going to happen sometimes after perseverance. Sometimes it'll be instantaneous. Sometimes we'll pray for something and... A couple hours later. It'll happen. Right? So... I hope those things stick with you today. Don't stop praying for instantaneous healing. But in some cases, it'll come after that perseverance and you'll be a better person because of it. Won't make it easier through that, but you have something to look forward to. And then God will never, ever let his testimony not be seen. So um, after service, every Tuesday night and every Sunday, I'm in the dining room there. If you have anything... That you want to pray for and especially healing. Um, it's as the testimony of the Lord is shown, you're going to start hearing, Hey, last Sunday, such and such, this happened. Hey, on Tuesday night, two weeks ago, this happened. So we have a huge expectation and we pray in there without unbelief. We pray with, with full belief that in those little sessions of, Hey, I caught Jeff after service, or I remember last week I was praying with Max. And a dear time with him, and Peter was waiting to uh, out here, and I just and I knew in my mind I'm like Lord, and it just wasn't it wasn't his timing at that moment. But God works through every situation. So if we're backed up three deep, wait if you can. If you can't, you know what? God's got something. He's got something for you. So um, just just trust him in that. So let me um, pray.